Thank you, Virgil and Marilyn. I get to have a couple of weeks back to back filling in for the music team, and we're thankful for uh, the joy it is to have people to be able to serve the Lord and the different talents and singing because I don't have those. So praise the Lord for that. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter eight. In Sunday school, I mentioned uh, Pastor and Kim are out, and uh, they got to go on a little vacation. We're thankful for that. And uh, my voice is about out because of a bunch of yelling at kids yesterday from a basketball game that I was coaching, or three of them, because we had a tournament this weekend that was supposed to be next weekend, and then it got moved on Thursday. We realized it was this weekend, and uh, so I'll try not to be yelling here, you know, so... Romans 8, verse 28, and we're going to look here at these verses today. The next, the, Romans 8, 28 is where we're going to look at, and then verse 29 and 30 we're also going to mention. Next week we'll be back in the book of Luke and be able to see Christ's temptation. But this week, uh, because of the different schedule changes and different things, I want to look here in Romans. And I'll say this, that this passage and then some notes by a man and a uh, Two men, Vernon Grounds and Ray Pritchard, had a big help to this sermon, and especially during a difficult time in my life. You know, when we look at what happens and we start out a new year, none of us necessarily know what will happen in 2024. We look and think about who's going to be the new president who's going to what's going to happen with the wars that are going on in Israel or Russia all kinds of turmoil we ask questions what will happen with my health what will happen with my family and their struggles with health or tragedy that we don't know we just don't know what will happen but i believe this that no matter what happens we can know this that god is using every situation in my life for his glory and for my ultimate good. And I know that from Romans 8:28. But this is a pretty tough verse because when we look at it, there are some difficult things that we see in here. So let's look at Romans 8:28. When I'm going to read these, this through verse 30. It says this, Paul says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called and those who he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Romans 8:28 and the verses there and especially this passage is written for those that know that who love God and those who are believers it gives us complete assurance that God is in control and he is concerned for our greatest good I want you to I want you to see today and I want you to learn and hopefully we see this from the scripture that God is using every situation in my life for his glory And for my ultimate good. But there's problems that we see when we see this verse. And we think about this. When we look at this, we realize and we ask this question. Does God really have everything under control? 
Do I really believe God has my best in mind? And I would say yes, but there's difficult times that sometimes I doubt this. And 11 years ago, uh, about a, a little more than 11 years ago, we were living in Michigan and we were uh, going through seminary and I was working uh, there and, and taking classes and our kids were 11 years younger than they were now. Uh, and so one of my sons, Levi, he's about he's 11. And so he was 11 years ago. He was pretty much a newborn. And uh, in the summer, in July, he was born uh, of 20, uh, 20, 2012. Yeah, that's right. I'm a dad, so I can remember that. Uh, <clears throat> he was born in 2012. And uh, we we the one of the doctors said, you know, you need to come back in about six, uh, six months or six weeks. Uh, to eight weeks and have him checked for a heart murmur and uh, stuff. And we thought, OK, we'll do that. Kind of put it in the back of our mind. Six to eight weeks out from a newborn uh, birth is not a big deal. And sometime during that time, uh, as we're recovering, we were also leading as Hannah's recovering. I'm, I'm really not doing anything. But uh, in September of about that time, we were helping with the youth uh, group, the, t- the teen group junior hires at at our church and it's a pretty big church and we were playing a game called capture the flag with a football which sounds like a great game to play uh, with junior hires and uh, Hannah decided that she was going to play a little bit of that game you know just a maybe two months after birth or giving birth to Levi and you know I'm not making any judgments on that call but she went to tag somebody and uh, a little junior high girl ran into her and knocked her over and uh, she fell and uh, it was and I looked over and I was intense in this game and I thought hey are you okay and she was like yeah yeah keep playing I'm good she was on the ground sitting there for a little while and then I thought as we finish this game and we're trying to win of course uh, I realized she's still not getting up and so she sat there for a little while everybody else walks off the field and I'm like are you okay I, I'm I broke my foot and I'm like oh okay how do you know well it feels like it the bro- I broke my arm sometime or shoulder and uh, or collarbone, and that's what it feels like. And I was like, okay, well, okay, all right. And then she's like, and I think my other knee is messed up. And so her left foot was broken in five places, and it was a Liz Frank injury. And uh, and then the left, the right knee had a tibia plateau fracture, and every ligament in there was strained so much they couldn't even really find them. And uh, and so she was in a wheelchair for three months from basically the end of September, beginning of October, all the way into December. And then uh, we went back to the doctor and went to get the update with Levi and just kind of assumed that we were going to be good. I I went because she was at home in a wheelchair. And uh, the doctor said, you need to go to the children's hospital this week. And uh, so we went to the children's hospital and they said, uh, he needs to have surgery like at the end of this week. And he had open heart surgery. And uh, that was a tough time. And I think back to it, and uh, we, ha- we, ha- we have, a f- I don't have a picture for you today, but I should have brought it here. But Hannah was in a wheelchair with a cast on one leg and a big brace in the other leg, and then holding this little baby with all these tubes and everything. And, he- and he's over here today, so he's doing pretty good and uh, causing problems. Uh, and so, so he's healthy. But you know, during that time, This verse didn't necessarily seem like it was true. And when you look at this and it says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I think I have questions, God, 
about this verse. Do I really believe? I mean, I thought I was a person that loved God. I'm in seminary studying to be a pastor or missionary, whatever God called me to do. I mean, I know that my love is sometimes lacking, but I want to say that I love God. And then I also say that I trust God and I think he works all these things together for good. But I had big doubts. And every once in a while, I still have those big doubts. And I bet if we're honest, every one of us would have those same big doubts. We thought we think maybe God doesn't have my best in mind. Maybe he's being cruel to me. Maybe he's bringing these into my life to punish me. And we think, do things work together for good? Is this verse true? I've got a friend that's a, a, a friend and a co-worker. She was a n- number of years older than me, and she's uh, got her grandkids, and she's just a wonderful, wonderful lady. And just recently, I saw on Facebook, and I know the family uh, is going through a super tough time because her grandson is 19 years old and was in a motorcycle accident. And his leg was just amputated. And he's going to have skin grafts and tons of surgeries. And you ask the question, is God good? Does he have my best in mind? I'm certain that family is thinking that. We know people, even in our own congregation or in our own area, a man who lost his wife to cancer just recently now has a young grandson battling cancer. And we know these people. We go through these things. And we look at Romans 8 and we say, God, really, can I trust you? Do all things work together for good? Do they? Can we still trust God? Well, let's unpack that because it's a big question in my mind and probably is a question in your mind as well. In fact, Romans 8, 28 sits in the middle of a passage that I would say is like the crown jewel of the New Testament. In fact, almost of the whole Bible. When you look at Romans 8, I mean, this is one of the most beautiful scriptures for all believers. We see the first part of this chapter. We talk, we see about life in the spirit. We understand what God has given us with the Holy Spirit. We understand we're heirs with Christ. And then we see this future that God has given to us and we see the end of these ver- this chapter and we see that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And I'm telling you, if you're down and discouraged and doubting God, this is an excellent passage to read. Dwell in Romans 8. And for many of us, Romans 8.28 is at least, if it's not our favorite verse, it's got to be top 10. But there are some serious times that we wonder, is this true? But again, let me tell you, I want you to understand today, God is using every situation in your life for his glory and for our ultimate good. But let me just have, tell, tell you, I have a problem with these verses. When I look at this, here's two problems that I see. One, they promise something that I have trouble believing. It says this, I have trouble believing this. It says, and I know and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And I asked Paul, are you sure about that? Are you sure you mean all things? And you sure me that they're working together for my good? And there's another problem I have. It includes things that I think should probably be left out. When he says all things, I mean, that's annoying. Because if he would have said most things, I'd be good with that. When he says all things, it gets real difficult. Because all 
means all, right? And I mean, we're talking about our life. And I can tell you, most things work together for my good. I've seen it in my life. But it's real tough to sometimes say that all things do. But is this true? Is this verse one that we can say we're going to rest our assurance on? I mean, I can tell you that this is one of the most loved verses, but I bet you we doubt this. It's a struggle. And you may say, not all things are good. And we can say, look, sickness is not good. Murder is not good. Divorce is not good. Suicide is not good. The death of a child is not good. And sometimes people may look at this verse and say, and even an unsaved person or whoever looks at this verse and even throws it in the face of a Christian and says, this can't be true. Or even by well-meaning Christians, we see somebody else struggling and we say, hey, you know what? Whatever happens, God's working it for good. And so the fact that you're going through this is good. And you think, no, I mean, telling me that my child is having open heart surgery is good is not something that I think is good. In fact, we realize because of the curse, because of sin, there are things that are bad. Sin is bad. But we want to look at this verse and have to understand we need to start in the very first place in this verse that we should. We must start with God. In this verse, we're going to get all this mixed up when we put ourselves first, when we put ourselves as the focus. We mess it up when we do that. So we want to look at God and say we start with God. Some of us look at life as like just a roll of the dice. Maybe it's going to turn out good. Maybe I'm going to roll snake eyes or I'm going to roll a double six. I don't know. I'm just going to it's just who knows. Some of us just believe life is just filled with karma. But what we want to realize that God is in control and that he is the one that ordains all things. We must start at God in God. There is the beginning. He's there at the end and he's at every point in between in our lives. God is at work. There is not a point in my life or your lives that God is not paying attention. Not a point in our life is just simply luck, not simply an accident or chance. When you ask the question, where is God when it hurts? Where is God in the pain? Well, he is there in the beginning. He's in in it through the middle of it. He's there at the end. But we say, where's God when a young child dies? When my son had heart surgery, when a missionary dies on the mission field serving the Lord, when a mom is told she has cancer, when a friend dies of some terrible disease, we look and we say, how can that be good? And we would say, where are you, God? And we must understand God is always present. Let me just say this, pretending that the pain is not real and the pretending that the pain is not there is not an option. We can pretend all the time when we're four and five years old and playing with transformers. That's okay. But when we have serious pain come into our lives, we can't just pretend like it's not real because it is. Back in April this past year, we had a storm that came through and it just kind of was random, it seemed like. And it totally messed up our roof on the church, knocked down fences over there, knocked down trees here. We had water in the building. I mean, $25,000 worth of electrical equipment zapped. There's a lot of things that I could have pretended, right? Let's pretend that none of this happened, but that's not reality. 
It happened and we had to deal with it. It's life. And so when we see reality happen and we see these things, we have to say God is using this for some reason. So is Paul saying whatever happens is necessarily good? Well, no, no, not sin, not evil. Is suffering good? No. Is tragedy good? No. But what we are saying and what he is saying is that God is actively working in your life for your ultimate good, for the good in our lives. And we're going to see this unpacked. And when we start with God, we realize that he is in control and cares for his children. It's not just that Jesus or God is in control. It's that he actually cares Sometimes when we think somebody's in control, we know that they just maybe overbearing and they run everything and they're the ones that have the final say. But the fact is that God is not just in control, but God is actually caring. How do I know this? Well, look at verse 29. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God's plan isn't random. And his plan is not to hurt us. It is actually for us to become more like Jesus. He cares for us and he's in control and he's working. And so not only... Do we need to start with God? But we also, number two, we need to start with God, but we also need a long-term perspective. You need to have a long-term perspective when you're looking at this verse. You know, many things seem random in our life or we don't understand. They're unexplained. Why does a tornado that comes down and hit one house and destroy it and wipe out a family and everything that's in it and their future And the next house next to it doesn't look like it's been scratched. Why is that? Why does one brother excel and get past a sin and another brother in Christ struggles with the same thing over and over? Why is it that when sometimes we go to the doctor, they say, hey, you're all clear. And then you come back and they say, oh, we're not. We're sorry. The list of questions that we may have is endless. We seem so isolated We seem like God doesn't care, but we need a long term perspective to understand that God is here at the beginning, at the end and all through it. But we cannot judge the beginning by the end and we can't judge the end by the beginning. We have to realize that whatever's happening in our life may be the start of something that God is working for good for eternity. We have a word here when it says here in verse 28, it says this, and we know that all things work together for good. The word comes, uh, the word in Greek is actually the word that we have translated in, in, in English called synergy. This idea of working together, you get a few different things working together to make something good happen or something to work together. And we see that in our office spaces. We see it in whatever. I saw it yesterday uh, in this group of eight junior high boys that uh, a lot of we had a couple starters out and we play this tournament. And all of a sudden you see like this, we sometimes call it chemistry. We see this, we could all call it, they have some synergy. And after three games, they start working together and playing together. And it's like, oh, oh, hey, we can actually do this. And you see that. And that's what we're seeing here in this verse, that all things work together 
God is working different things in our life for good. Many things that happen in our life, seen in isolation, seem terrible. Sometimes we look at one particular incident and think, that's awful. I don't know how God can use it. And we look back years later and we see, no, God orchestrated this and this and this. And all of a sudden, we look back and see over the past 11 years, whether it's my son's heart surgery or your, some struggle in your life, whatever it is, we see the, at the beginning didn't look good. But as we look back, we see, I see how God is working and it may still be difficult, but he's changing me to be more like him. So we cannot judge the end by the beginning. So if you're going through trials and tribulation and struggle now, realize God may be working. In fact, it's not a maybe. It is that he is absolutely working. And over time, God is creating something wonderful. He takes all these things. All these random pieces that seem crazy in our life, and he's working them together for our good so that he can be glorified. But we need a long term perspective. We need to start with God. We need to have a long term perspective when we look at this verse. And then the number three that I want to look at, the third thing I want to look in this verse, we want to define the word good. What does the word good mean? Well, I mean, we have lots of things in our, you know, in our life that we think are good. In fact, most of the world would I say, hey, or most of the people when I say, hey, how are you doing? And the, the answer is, I'm doing good a lot of times. And some people may get upset because maybe that's not proper English. They should be saying, you know, I'm doing well. But I mean, uh, you know, we say we're doing good. And sometimes that's masking a whole lot of pain. But sometimes good for us means health. Happiness, solid relationships, a long life, lots of money in the bank, food on the table, table, a meaningful work, a nice place to live. And when we look at good, we think of good as a list of circumstances. And when I look at good in my life, sometimes I just simply base everything on the things that I have and how things are going. And that's not necessarily what's going on in this verse. We have to look at this from a biblical viewpoint. We have to understand what did God mean when he says he's working these things for his, for good? Well, we have to look at verse 29. Verse 29 tells us for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This verse makes it so clear. God predestined. He called He elected. This is something that sometimes people struggle with. It's just biblical. It's scriptural. It's what happened. God loved me before I could love him. Why do I love God? Because he loved me first. That's what the Bible says. I couldn't love him before he loved me because he loved me first. I don't even have the capacity to love him without him first loving me. So when we look at this, we see that that God already in eternity past is working things in our life. And if he was doing that before, he's going to continue to do that. For those he called, those he, who he predestined, who, he's going to work. And he has a purpose. Okay, so when we say the word good, we sometimes think financial, health, wealth, whatever it is. But look at verse 29. God's good and our good is not the same. 
He's working all these things together for good. Why? So in verse 29 gives us the answer, because look at the verse of first verse of verse 29. It says for or because the reason he is here in verse 29. The reason is so that we are conformed to the image of his son. All things in our life are working together by God. If we're a believer, if he's working these things together for good, all these difficult things, even tragedies and heartaches and all these things for us to become more like Christ. Listen, God is not committed to making you happy and successful. God is not committed to making you happy and successful. But God is committed to making you like His Son, Jesus Christ. God has a commitment to us. And His commitment to us as believers is that He's working things together to make us like Jesus. And sometimes it's hard. Because we're hard-headed. And we don't sometimes get, get it. And we sometimes don't become like Jesus very easily. We love sin. We love pleasure. We love comfort and God works these things in our life to make us more like him. And let me tell you this, something that we may not believe, but it's true. Anything that makes us like Jesus is for is good for us. Anything that makes us more like Jesus is good for us. Let me ask you, what is in your life right now that's difficult, but is making you more like Jesus? There are some things that I know and I have tons of things I don't know about what are going on in different lives. But boy, it is really tough. But those things sometimes are the things that just absolutely, like a diamond, get cut and hewn. Or like silver and gold get worked in that furnace to make us more like Jesus. Is it easy? No. Is it fun? No. But it is for our ultimate good so that we become like Jesus. Listen, if your goal in life, if your goal in life is to be healthy, wealthy and wise, that's a good worldly goal, but it's missing the point. If your goal in life is to become more like Jesus, then you're hitting it. Our goal should be to become more like Jesus. Our greatest problem. I mean, this is our greatest problem is Romans 828. Our good and God's good are not the same. We want happiness. We want fulfillment. We want peace and a long life. But God doesn't give us all those things because He wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. Does that mean some of the worst things that happen to us can be used for God's glory to make us more like Jesus? Absolutely. What about the things that hurt us deep, deeply? Yeah. What about when we're heartbroken? Yes. What about when we sin? And God convicts us. Oh, yes. What about when we doubt God? Yeah, yeah, God can use that. He can make it to work in our life that we become more like him. What about the times that we are upset with God and mad and frustrated? Yeah, God can use that to turn that to work into his life into be becoming more like Christ. When Paul says we know this. It's something that we know because Scripture tells us. But sometimes we know this. And we don't actually believe it. We read it. We see it. But we struggle to believe it. We struggle that God is working these things because we doubt. But if we understand it and define this truth and understand this verse actually how it should be, 
we start to trust God. Let me remind you, our goals and God's goals are often radically different. Our goal is often comfort and contentment. Our goal is often to have satisfaction and pleasing things in our life. But God's goal is for for you to be conformed to the image of His Son. Not only do we define what is good, which is being conformed into the image of son. But the last thing we want to look at, we want to look at the under and understand the limitations of this verse. There's some limitations on this verse. Let's look at it one more time. It says, and maybe just see when we're reading, if you can see the limitation. And for we and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, Romans 8.28 is a promise to a specific group of people. Romans 8.28 is not necessarily for everybody. In fact, this can't be a name it and claim it verse for the whole world. It says this. It is a promise to those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. It's a very important limitation. It's true of Christians and it's only true of Christians and follow followers of Christ. This is not a promise to all of the human race. This is a promise to privileged believers. And you may say, well, that's selfish of God. I don't know what to tell you, but God did this. It's not a work of me. God reaches out and calls us and we trust him. And you may be thinking, well, this verse is just for believers. No, Let me tell you, this verse is one of the most evangelistic verses in the Bible. If you are not a believer, if you've not trusted Christ, if you're not submitted to him and following him, if you're not a Christian, wouldn't you love to have this verse cover everything in your life? Wouldn't you love to have this verse as a foundation and a bedrock to say, God, I don't know why you saved me. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a sinner. I'm worthless, but you redeemed me and you're working all these things to make me conform to the image of your son. Wouldn't you love to have this verse of the foundation? Oh, man, this verse can give me a lot of peace as a believer. But boy, if you are not a believer, if you don't have Jesus as a savior of your life, you may be thinking, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What's going to happen in the future? Why do all these things bad, all these bad things happen? I I just wish I was comfortable. I really need to have more money. And your whole life is running and chasing things that are worthless, empty, vain. And let me be very blunt. A life without Christ is a life destined for eternal hell. It is a life that is really empty. And if you don't have Christ in your life, you will never get comfort and earthly contentment will never find you. You will always be chasing the next dollar, the next high, the next thing that's going to make you feel better. It is not worth it to live that life. And if you're here and you're thinking, well, did God call me? Well, if you're listening, yes, God's calling you. Repent of your sins. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need your grace and believe in Jesus Christ today. 
And this verse is one that you can run your life through everything that happens. This verse can be a grid in your life. It can be the foundation of your life that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you and that you can live your life and glorify him and become like his son and that every circumstance in your life is being worked out to make you more like Jesus. Have you responded to God's call? Are you part of God's saving purpose? Listen, if you're not a believer, if you're not a child of God, verse Romans 8:28, it's not for you. You need to trust Christ. You need to ask him to forgive you of your sins and become a child of God. And if you have questions about that, I would love to talk to you. It would be the greatest joy of my day to talk to you, give you to help you have hope rested on the word of God that you can know that you have eternal life and that this verse is a part of your life. And there's many people in this room that would love to see that happen for you to trust Christ. There's men and women here that would be able to lead you through that process to say, I can have Christ as as the reason for my life to go on living. My life won't be pointless anymore. God may be calling you today. Would you submit to him? We'll pray in just a moment. And if you if you're being called, I would encourage you to purpose in your heart to seek somebody out. You know, there was this story has been told that there was a father that had a son who was killed in a terrible accident. And he came to his pastor and in great anger, he said, where was God when my son died? And the pastor thought for a moment and said, God was in the same place. God, God was in the same place when your son died that he was when his son died. God knows what we're going through. He's been there. He saw his own son die. And he did that for us. Right. I mean, how deep the father's love for us. That he would give his only son to save some wretch like me. Where was God in these trials and tribulations? God's in the same place he's been for eternity. Working all these things for his glory. Can you believe Romans 8.28? It's really difficult. I mean, it is sometimes so hard. But God is working and Faith Baptist Church, brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're thinking in your mind when those difficult things and thoughts come into your brain. But let me just encourage you to run to this passage, the whole chapter. But in these verses, look at this and realize whatever God is doing, he's doing this to change me to be more like Jesus. So therefore, I know I can surrender my life to God. I know my life can be given to Him. I don't care what happens. It's His. He's going to do what's best for His glory and for my good to become more like Jesus. He knows what is best. He does what is best. I don't even know what I'm having for lunch. I mean, God has all those things worked out. He knows what's going on. He knows the future, so trust Him. An unbeliever... I mean, if you don't have this as a foundation for your life, let me please just plead with you one last time. Come to this verse and say, God, 
I want you to be working everything in my life to change me to be like Jesus. Forgive me of my sins and I trust in Him. Would you do that today? Let's pray. Lord, this verse is so, so tough. Lord, it just is a comfort on certain days and certain days when we read this verse. It makes us have just such deep questions. And Lord, uh, this passage and even looking through these things, when I read through it before and heard this and thought through these verses in this way, it was such a balm to my soul in difficult times. Lord, you worked in my life in just such terrible, tragic and terrible things where just you th- I thought there was no hope out of it. But Lord, you allowed me to see and I look back and see how good you were. Lord, you showed me so how valuable the body of Christ is and how deep my sin is and how great my need is for you. And Lord, you work in every person's life here today. Some of them you're calling to you. And I pray that you would work in these people that have not trusted you. Help them to say, I want to get assurance. I want to know that I have eternity with Jesus today. Lord, would you convict them so that they run to find somebody to help them through that, so that they actually just trust you, that they would call upon the name of the Lord to have salvation. And Lord, for the believers in this room that are just going through such difficulty, and this verse is just a big question mark in their heart, would you, Lord, would you comfort them? Would you help them to see how good you are? Lord, there's things that we just don't know why, but we don't see the outcome. But Lord, we know that you're working them for our good so that we become more like Jesus. Would you, Lord, please comfort the believers in here and help us to trust you more today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.